Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This week's episode is the first episode of the series and also one that is closest to my heart. So right now, our world is in chaos, spinning out of control, and we need to find ourselves again in order to restore it back into a peaceful, natural order. This is a very special story about who we are and why we're here. If we don't wake up to the truth of our existence, which I'll touch upon, we'll never truly understand the consequences of our inabilities to come together and to unify among our similarities. What are these similarities, you might ask? Well, other than experiencing free will as a collective and wanting to understand our purpose or the nature of our existence, we all want to be free and to have rights. So, without further ado, let me tell you a story about the greatest example of love and kindness that we have ever been given. Here is a story about Jesus Christ. We are only human, someone once said. As a result, we have these two intrinsic human traits, our thoughts being one and our emotions being the other. These intrinsic extensions of ourselves sometimes feel so alien to us. For example, have you ever woken up to feel like you're in a certain type of mood? Have you ever had a brilliant idea that solves all your problems come to you in an instant, just out of thin air, after a good night's sleep? Have you ever had a thought come into your mind that was such a far departure from reality that it almost feels like it could not possibly have been conjured by your own mind? Where do these thoughts or feelings come from? Well, I'd like to try to answer these questions from a scientific perspective with a spiritual twist. Let's take a look at the scientific angle first. Imagine a flat piece of paper. If you existed as a stick figure on that paper, you would be able to walk around the paper itself, and you'd be able to move around it in two dimensions. But, if you're observing this piece of paper from a three-dimensional world, and you held this paper in your hand, you could be anywhere on that paper at any time just by touching a single point on it. When you touch a point on the paper from a third dimension, you project a two-dimensional image of yourself on that paper, and a stick figure would be able to see your two-dimensional projection on the paper since they can only see other two-dimensional things on it. Furthermore, as a three-dimensional observer of a two-dimensional world, you would be able to observe everything that happens on that paper at all times since your dimension wraps or otherwise encompasses the paper. What I am trying to describe is dimensionality. Dimensions don't just need to be physical, they can also be spiritual or metaphysical in nature. Our souls exist in a dimension that is separate from this one, but much like a finger touching that piece of paper, our souls project our consciousness onto our bodies. This is from where we get our sense of identity. It's important to realize that our identities have a foot in both dimensions, one being the dimension of the physical world, and the other one being the dimension of the spiritual world. Similarly, and by extension, our thoughts and our emotions also have a foot in both dimensions. To us, it's not entirely clear what exists in the spiritual dimension beyond our consciousness since our eyes can only see the physical world. We are much like the stick figure on that piece of paper, but we know that a portion of ourselves resides in the spiritual plane. Why is this distinction so important? Well, it's important because, much like the finger being projected, there is a lot more to the spiritual dimension that we don't see. But do we feel it? Does it affect us? Does it affect our consciousness? How about our thoughts? Let me now try to answer these questions from the spiritual perspective. There once lived a man who, among other things, decided to die on the cross. His name was Jesus Christ, and he had every opportunity to turn away, to run from his oppressors, and to save himself from this twisted, dark fate. 
However, despite many people pleading with him, he chose to die on the cross. Why would someone march towards something like this, directly into their death? At first, it seems completely mad, but the rationale behind his choice is both complex and methodical. I can only best attempt to explain it from a spiritual perspective. Before I dive into his methods and his purpose, we need to discuss some aspects of our experience on Earth. Specifically, we need to discuss free will and we also need to discuss karma. This world that we live in, it gives us the ability to interact with one another. It gives us the ability to love one another, to hate one another, to influence one another, and even to oppress one another. We are free to do as we please. And as a result of this freedom, our actions have consequences. In other words, our actions, our free will, has consequences, generates karma. In fact, some people, myself included, believe that the whole meaning or purpose to life is to experience the nature of free will, a sea of back and forth action and reaction. Free will is a learning experience and it helps the spirit grow. We learn that we may be different in some aspects, but ultimately, it's our similarities that bring us together. Karma is a byproduct of free will. That is why liars tend to gravitate to other liars. People who are a lot more generous tend to be more wealthy than those who are less generous. And people who project a lot of hatred tend to be more hated against. Now then, pay very special attention to the following question. What is the karmic opposite of taking away someone's ability to react? It's giving them the ability to influence. When we look at Jesus, when we look at the crucifixion, we see that both the Jews and the Romans that were present did not unify to save him, nor did they stop the crucifixion from taking place, despite having the power to do so. Inaction also generates karma. The act of not doing something is the same as choosing to do something. On the day of the crucifixion, something very special happened. When Jesus sacrificed himself, he ascended into the next dimension above. You can say he restored his being, because that finger which projects onto the piece of paper comes from a body, and that body is a lot more wholesome than a simple projection in a smaller dimension of its existence. We are all like that projection. We are a small fraction of our entire being as we navigate through the world and head towards becoming whole again. What made it a sacrifice though, and what was so special about it? Remember how I mentioned that the karmic opposite of taking away someone's ability to react is giving them the ability to influence? And how I also said that the world is governed by free will, and that free will generates karma? Well, Jesus knew that he could not influence people simply by ascending, since the world is governed by free will. Free will prevents outside interference from another dimension. The only way he could influence someone from the outside was by generating the karma required to influence from the inside and then taking it outside with him. There are much simpler and less painful methods to ascend by the way. He could have ascended by distancing himself from everything and living a completely karma-free life as Buddha teaches. However, Jesus knew that the world is governed by free will and he knew that he had to create karma in order to be able to influence the people here on earth from up above. In other words, he allowed the Jews and the Romans to crucify him in order to be able to influence them after he was gone, since they generated the karma of playing a part in his death. This karma allowed him to continue to influence all those who had a connection to him leading up to the crucifixion, and anyone who had a part or a choice to play in it from the best of us to the worst of us. 
If you should happen to disagree with this view and need some proof, look no further than the spread of Christianity after his death and you would see that it became the most popular religion in the world and still is. He marched towards his death because he knew that he would ascend and he wanted to break his soul into pieces that could become a part of many other souls in order to give us guidance from above, from a wholesome source. So back to the question at hand, where do some of our thoughts or our emotions come from? Sometimes they are karmically driven due to the actions that we have taken in our lives. They might come from the influences acting on us from beyond ourselves or from another dimension depending on how you want to look at it. What I'm trying to say is that Jesus is still acting through some of us from up above through the karma he generated during his crucifixion. But how can that be? Well, Jesus once said in Psalm 82 6, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High but ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. He tried to tell us that we are gods just like him, with a finger projecting a small image of our entire selves in this dimension, a small extension of our larger selves, our godlike selves. However, until we ascend, we will continue to experience the cycles of life and death. I know that a lot of Christian fundamentalists don't believe in reincarnation, but through reincarnation, we take karma with us, and this karma that we take between life streams helps to explain why some people are so much more fortunate or misfortunate than others. Among other things, some of us take the gifts of the Master's influence with us from a godly source between lives. Even Jesus said it. He said we would die like one of the princes. What he meant was that we would experience one life in which we are the worst version of ourselves and one in which we are our best. Jesus made the biggest sacrifice for us, so let's remember that ultimately, we are all gods. So let's start acting like the gods that we are, and wake up those around us to the reality that they too are gods. People aren't perfect and we make mistakes, but everyone can be forgiven and has the opportunity for salvation. Well, that's about it for this episode. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Take care now, until next time.